Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, May 11th, 2023. It's about 315 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Jack Devine joins us for his weekly session with us. Jack, always a pleasure. Uh, Welcome here. Uh, Yesterday, I was able to read on the internet from an open source uh, the Ukrainian plans uh, for their spring offensive. If what I read was accurate, how the devil could something like that uh, be published on open sources? Well, look what happened just a few weeks ago with the National Guard guy up in New York. How can this stuff happen? You know, I grew up in a world... In fact, let me talk about how good the Russians were years ago. They didn't type anything. The KGB, they would go into a bubble. It's a plastic room like we had. And you'd write it You'd write it down in pen and ink because they were afraid of leaking it. Today, it seems like we put millions of documents out there to the lowest-ranked officers across the broad spectrum. It wasn't like one document disappears. How do these things leak? I, I think we've lost that old discipline. Remember the phrase, need to know? Right, I mean, right. I came in the door and they nearly tattooed it on my uh, eyelids. You know, need to know. Keep your mouth shut. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned um, uh, the young man whom the government says is the uh, source of these secret documents, documents that the government has not challenged the authenticity or accuracy of. He, it, if what the government says is true, 21 years old, top, top secret security clearance, part-time uh, National Guard. Could that have happened in the CIA? Could CIA, 21 years old, works part, part-time, have had level of security. Stated differently, is the security clearance process for CIA personnel uh, more exacting than the security clearance process for military personnel. And it's true across the board. I think uh, NSA comes closest. And again, we can discuss polygraphs, but I don't know anyone that does lifestyle polygraphs before you go in. And then you're periodically tested on what they call counterintelligence uh, polygraph, although they felt like lifestyle. And that the 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 life the uh, polygraph the question key question is are you a spot are you working for any foreign government all right so it's a tough you know tough thing to talk meaning about. meaning so I get this straight and so the viewers understand this periodically throughout your work life at the CIA and I assume with no notice you'd be polygraphed and when you walk through the door after uh, before you're signed up it's about the last thing they do right and then it's it's um, it's something I've never met anybody that enjoyed it. If you one little human interest story, at the CIA they have Family Day, you know, and you come out and you show your satellite pictures. All the spies would have to hide, but the polygraph 
the polygraphers would have a shop and nobody would get in line <laughs> for the, uh, no, nobody uh, nobody wanted the men, to none of the men got in line so I'll tell everybody you everybody has a secret I'll tell you stories well I had myself polygraphed once just to see how it worked and you know it was controlled and I intentionally told the truth and I intentionally lied uh, and the polygraph did not catch me so I don't know what yeah, that reason was. a long time yeah. ago it's before I went on the bench when we were deciding whether or not to use a polygraph in a criminal, a white-collar criminal defense case I was working on. But judge, we would let the feds polygraph me, our guy. We had to do it together. And the polygrapher yeah. said, hey, and call me judge. I wasn't a judge yet. Hey, Andrew, do you want to try this? See if you can trick me. Yeah, uh, it is a little it, scary. It, the reason that didn't work, Judge, is if you're deliberately lying, you're not nervous. Uh, no, there's none of, your, none of the things they're testing. Got it. Your heart beats faster when they say, "Hey, have you taken any money out of the out of the office box?" You know, you're going to start fluttering. You say, "I'm going to lie and tell that." You'll get okay. no reaction. Got it. Got it. Like, it was right. interesting when Rick Ames was the spy inside the CIA. He went to this KGB handler. So, listen, my, my polygraph's coming up. What should I do? And they didn't have any techniques. They said, "Well, just try." Just try not to react or something. They had no advice, okay? They didn't say pretend you're Jack Devine. Well, then he would definitely have been interviewed more intensely by the counterintelligence staff. Once they know I'm on this show, I mean, I will probably get some of the most rigorous uh, examinations. <laughs> under. Right, the the light, you know, the one where, where they hold the light over your head? Right, <laughs> right, right. Let's so, get to, let's get to uh, yeah, Ukraine. Let's get, to let's get to Ukraine. In the past week... Uh, Sergei Prigozhin, the head of the uh, Wagner Group, has publicly uh, attacked the Russian defense minister and the uh, senior commander of all Russian military for not supplying him with enough ammunition. He then backtracked. I guess he got the ammunition he wanted. Then he fumed that uh, Russian brigades, this is full-time Russian regular army, not his people, have fled from the battle in Bakhmut. Uh, is this a realistic complaint? And do Russian soldiers, many of whom are conscripts, probably don't want to be there, flee from well, the battle? Well, first of all, Judge, we've been talking about this, you and I, for a few months off and on. But more recently, I told your audience, watch that struggle between the Wagner Group and the national military. Is it's unprecedented in my analytical world of looking at instability in a country. You usually see these fights much later. This is not healthy for Mr. Putin. I've got to tell you. So let's come to this the case. Prigozhin is a scary guy. <laughs> I'll just tell you that much. But he also put 500 bodies. 500 of his people were shown killed. In other words, he's testifying. Hey, listen, I'm, I don't have it because it's not here now. What your audience may not know is virtually all of his uh, conscripts are ex-prisoners, right? So, you know, they get out of jail and there are opportunities to go fight. So it may not be the, the most cordial group you'd ever want to find, um, but they have been doing well. And, you know, he's frustrated with uh, not getting the arms. When the regular arm, can you imagine this happening in the United States where one of these uh, 
mercenary groups started attacking the the, the military and your I mean, it would be like it would be like Eric Prince the head of Blackwater yeah, attacking Donald Rumsfeld and General Petraeus right the difference right and that's it's in that level but the one that was fighting in the city now we've been talking you've had some quote experts on who said that 300,000 man armies coming and they're going to roll right we've been doing this for a long time roll right across they couldn't even hold back Muth without, you know, now they're starting to slip, okay? Now, so Jack, who controls Blackwater as, as we speak today, May 11th, 2023? Who or what controls Bakhmut? Oh, no, the, Ru the Russians still have it, but remember, they were supposed to have taken it. Now I understand there's a three-mile uh, area now controlled in the last couple of days in the southern part by the Ukrainians. Uh, I mean, we're talking one city. You're supposed to take over a country. You're going to go to Kiev. I mean, you know, so you're, we're talking for months with your audience about this one place. I think they have a serious problem in, in armament, and I think the big offense turned out to be a dud. I mean, I don't know, matter how you cut it, it was a dud. Okay. And I want, to come back. I want you to play all the tapes of everybody that challenged me on this and see what they said and how it really turned out. It's okay, first I'm going to play a tape of what you said in January – uh, about the concept of victory. Here you are. What do you mean by prevail? Well, I think when the push comes that they'll be able to hold the Russians off. They're not going to push the Russians out of eastern no. Ukraine, and they're certainly not no. going to push them out of Crimea. No, they're going to hold so that the Russians... What it'll be is when you and I can say, that, well, the Russians didn't win that one. It's not that the Ukrainians won. They will prevail by just holding them off. That'll be a failure in most Russians' mind. If he doesn't demonstrate that he's beaten the Ukrainians, he'll win a battle, win a battle, win a battle. Not going to prevail, as long as we're in it. Okay, now well, I'm going to That was Jack Devine today. If you talk to me today, the other thing is I would say, you should have had that guy comb his hair. Where was the uh, hairdresser that was okay. around? He looked okay. like some wild man. Now I want to play one of our people who's an academic. He's not a, f a former intelligence uh, agent uh, like you giving uh, a different view. This is Scott Horton of antiwar.com, who has a lot of affection for you, even though you guys don't agree on anything, even the time of I day and hair groups. Here we go. People I don't agree with. One of them is a judge. You ever, I don't know if you've ever met him. <laughs> Here we they go. clearly think that they're getting the better end of this, that they're bogging Russia down and bleeding them to bankruptcy. But of course, we're spending north of $100 billion on this effort ourselves. But they've said all along that what they want to do is just keep the war going as long as possible. And in fact, if you go back to the beginning of the war, everybody assumed, even the Ukrainian military assumed, the American spies and everyone else assumed that the Russians were going to roll right over their army and that we were going to be backing an Afghan-style insurgency all along. That was plan A. So plan B was, oh, great, the military is able to continue to stand and fend the Russians off for all this time. We'll continue to pour all the weapons we can into them to keep that going as long as possible. But then that raises the real question is if and when the Russians are able to essentially completely smash and rout the Ukrainian military, it's still a land the size of Texas. And wow. I don't think they want to take the western half of it. But then if they don't, that leaves a rump Ukrainian state led by right wing nationalists allied with NATO and armed to the teeth that I presume that that is NATO's plan, that even if, let's say, the Ukrainian army falls apart tomorrow, they'll go back to plan A and try to keep this thing going until Putin has to resign in disgrace.
Does NATO well, and the U.S. want the war to go on and on? And, go ahead, Jack. Does NATO? He should go on to a state job. That's all I'm saying. Um, the the beginning of it. Uh, there's pieces of it. I agree a little bit in the middle, but he, okay. he said that everybody thought the Russians were going to roll right over, right? Well, we all thought that. But where his logic comes down is somehow they're going to do it later, right? They're going to get better. Somehow their army's going to get stronger, better led. There is no military expert I know that I take seriously that believes that. So his argument sort of it, it falls apart at the end. All right. How about this part of his argument, that the goal of the neocons, of which you are not one, uh, but the folks in the intelligence and political military community, the Victoria Newlands, is to keep the war going on and on and on and on and on in order to degrade the Russian military and wear down President Putin. Is that a goal? Look, look, if you're in the war business, I, I don't know serious generals, they don't want wars to go on. They don't want their men and women to die. I mean, seriously. So no, I'm not talking about generals. I'm, I'm saying, talking I'm about the politicians that control the generals. I'm just, we can talk about the politics. I'm talking about war fighting here. And what I'm saying is generals aren't going to sign up to look. Let's fight indefinitely. Let's wear them down. You know, what What I think is really interesting, I gave you around a clip. It was what we were talking about earlier. I really feel good what I've said on this show. And I'm glad. Okay. I have an audience that is tracking this carefully, and they, they know this. So what we're looking at is David and Goliath. And then you're going to say, wait a minute, Jack, Goliath hit him with that stone and <laughs> killed him. And I said, well, it's David and Goliath in a battlefield. And, there, and little David is holding Goliath, or at least the perceived sense of, the, uh, of Goliath, at bay. That is a major success that we have to realize, unpredicted by the intelligence community unpredicted by the media, unpredicted by all your guests. <laughs> so did, did the the intelligence, is, we have to look at it. It's not. Did the intelligence the community, did the intelligence community, your former colleagues and your uh, present friends, predict the quick Russian victory? Oh, well, I think, no, excuse me. Remember the official thing that was done the day that the evasion started was they offered Zelensky a ticket. We're going to fly out. You don't right. need to say more than uh, more than that. Let me tell you, though, Judge, one thing. You can confuse what I would consider more sophisticated thinking than just let's wear them down until they collapse. I'm on record in writing in the Wall Street Journal, you know, not in my memoir written by my bed, saying there's a bigger game. Putin has to go. We need to support the Ukrainians. Putin will fall of his own weight. It's not to bleed them down until they coll collapse. He on a failure in the system. Well, that's a different argument. Okay. And I'm telling you what I predicted is what I continue to predict. If he walks out of there in September and still hasn't made any progress and goes to his people and says, let's form another 300,000-man army. Let's take a lot of our treasure, and we're going to go back and win. I'm telling you that Wagner military stuff going on is going to be in ways that will lead to his removal. So that's different than you fight until they bleed, and that's all nonsense. It's by people who really don't, they've never, uh, never been responsible for life and death and, and military. Con con here's uh, here's a clip of uh, here's a clip of President Zelensky, Jack, uh, on the likely coming victory. It's very uh, stylized. 
very well produced. It's almost Hollywood-like. It's maybe 45 seconds long. We fight now so that no one ever again enslaves other nations and destroys other countries. And all those old evils that modern Russia is bringing back will be defeated just as Nazism was defeated. We will not lose what we have gained. We will return everything captured by the enemy. We will rebuild what was destroyed, and together we will protect it all. We do not yet know the date of our victory, but we know that it will be a holiday for all of Ukraine, for all of Europe, for all of the entire free world. We will return everything captured by the enemy. Realistic, Jack? Yeah, let's, let me come back to what I said just two weeks ago, right? And what I said is everyone's talking about the big offensive for the Ukrainians. They must show success or we shouldn't continue funding them. And I said, I said, hey, look, the guy held them off. That's a victory. He's not going to push them out. And don't overinflate what the offensive is going to be. And now today, what you're reading is, and I, I agree with the military people, when they see, you know, you get political pressure, you don't put an army in premature. I think they're smartly. I'm betting they're getting good advice from people I know, I'm guessing, on the timing of things. But I'm really impressed that they're holding Goliath off. And people ought to recognize what that means and the potential for changing the balance of power which is okay. different than grinding Russians down. That's uh, here is uh, let, me just one, let me quote Reagan from my personal experience. Please. In 85, the world thought the Mujahideen was done, finished, right? And Reagan said, look, and his top advisors who were high quality, Schultz, uh, Cap White, uh, Weinberg. But they said, you know, we can't just keep bleeding the Russians. That's, you know, people, it can't do it. So he said, look, we're going to make one more big push. I, I thought the Russians knew this, but apparently they didn't get it, get the message. And there was a big deliberate push. We're going to try one more time. If it doesn't work, we're going to start winding down. That's the right mentality as opposed to let's have an unending war. I mean, people don't understand war and, and up, up close when they talk like that. I, I can't. I can't tell you how much disdain for I have that kind of language. Here's President Zelensky yesterday uh, being interviewed on the BBC about the, where is it, the spring offensive. Are you ready for this counteroffensive? Mentally, we're ready. In terms of how motivated our military are, we're ready. In terms of enough personnel in our brigades, we're ready. In terms of equipment, not everything has arrived yet. That's my answer. Uh, so you're still waiting for weapons and for the kind of military equipment that have been promised to arrive? Yes, we're still expecting some things. They will reinforce our counteroffensive. And most importantly, they will protect our people. We're expecting armored vehicles. They arrive in batches. We can advance with what we've got, and I think we can be successful. But we will lose a lot of people. I think that is unacceptable. We need to wait. We need a bit more time. What is the value of telegraphing to the enemy that you're not ready to take him on? I think what he was doing was talking to the audience in the United States and the people there that are saying, you have to have an immediate success. I think he was responding to that. The other thing is, I don't think it's a big secret. I mean, I, I think Russians, I think they've been, you know, way off on this 
this adventure of, of theirs. But I suspect they know that the offensive is waiting for those weapons. In other words, it's not like on TV, oh, now we get it. But, you know, let me just go to the tape. I think he looks so much better natural. They really shouldn't try and stage it. He's so much uh, more, you know, projects more than this that picture. So uh, if he's if they're listening, I, I, let him go back and be himself. He's really very dynamic. Have we reached a level uh, of sophistication in the various competing intelligence communities where the Russians already know that he doesn't have the equipment he needs so that what he said to the BBC was not news to the Russians. It was not news to the Russians, not news, but you know, <laughs> what are they going to do? They know the weapons are coming. So the problem was, is when the Russians have an army, they cannot modernize it. I mean, they're in the midst of just trying to make the shells go there. And this is what I keep saying. If he doesn't do hard to go back and say, I'm going to build a new army and it's going to be better. They're going to learn new techniques. What they don't realize, a lot of people don't realize this. And this is not because I'm an American, although every time I have a chance to tell Americanism, I, I do. We were fighting a war for 20. We had the best techniques, the best soldiers, best training. I mean, it is technologically a new age of warfare. And the Russians, when they started this, it was 19, 1940 over again, right? So I think, and we're sharing those training capabilities. So I think, you know, uh, it's not just how many weapons, it's the quality of it, the quality it. of training that is so far off with the Russians. And I thought they were not as big as they said, but they even showed themselves to be smaller than my best estimates. Jack, one of the best conversations we've had. Thank you so much, my dear friend. Always a great pleasure. And I, I'm hoping your audience is tracking me. Because yes, they, they are. Like, yes, they, they might are. not like me, but I will tell you. I will tell you this. I won't use the language they've used, but they're <laughs> saying, "Judge, please invite him again, especially when the war is over. You'll be back next week, I hope." Jack, well, I hope. I hope I don't come back. I hope the war ends next week because God love you. You'll be back either way. Happier. Nothing would make me happier as long nope. as long as the right team wins. Thank you, Jack. More as we get it. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom. <laughs>